Welcome to the Brand Community Podcast. Brand communities are the foundation of business growth. They build a human connection between brands and their customers, turn those customers into lifelong advocates, and ultimately grow your business. I'm Sam Heisel, a co-founder and managing partner at Knox, a digital agency that helps brands, artists, and entrepreneurs grow and convert communities online. And I'm Chris Whitman, co-founder of Crony, a creative agency that connects brands and consumers through powerful brand experiences. Every Tuesday, we'll be interviewing marketing leaders and community builders so you can walk away with actionable strategies to help your brand grow and prosper. Welcome to the show. Chris, what's up, man? How are we doing today? Sam, I'm doing great today. How about yourself? I am good and very, very excited for our guest today. This is a very special episode. I think there were some really incredible takeaways. Uh, Sarah Elamine, she is the head of community engagement at Lyft. I'm sure most of you have all used Lyft or at the very least are very familiar with Lyft, but they have been able to undergo some truly massive international growth since their inception. And I think a major piece of that is the fact that they've always had local community engagement at the core of their approach. And that's how they've been able to, to, to grow and thrive, not only from a marketing and customer acquisition standpoint, but even from having community engagement at the, the core of how they improve and iterate upon the product. So I think Thanks, Sarah really spearheads a lot of these efforts and it's a, a testament to her tactics as Lyft's growth. And I think she does a fantastic job in distilling them down into ways in which you can leverage some of these same mechanisms to drive growth uh, for your companies. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, Sarah really brought some interesting perspectives to the table. Um, you know, I, I love her background. Uh, she, she has a lot of uh, uh, experience in public policy. Um, and, you know, going over to Lyft is obviously, um, you know, one of the things that she's trying to do is, is leverage community as a problem solving uh, mechanism. So, you know, how do you prevent policy from, from becoming a huge barrier to growth and uh, communicate that effectively? Um, you know, and you know, Lyft became an essential service overnight um, once the pandemic hit. So they've been doing a lot of really great work in terms of, you know, helping organize community around, um, you know, social good initiatives as well. So. Really excited for everybody to hear this, and uh, let's dive on in. Sarah, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, definitely. I think uh, really excited to dive into a lot of fun topics today. For starters, uh, as head of community engagement at Lyft, can you just kind of dive a little bit into what the day-to-day looks like and what the objective of the community engagement function is at Lyft? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, you know, in the marketing world at large, there's been this really fascinating transition away from uh, sort of um, your, not to, not to disparage your, your average marketing person, but um, from uh, folks who have sort of just one um, linear set of experiences uh, in marketing or engagement towards people who um, really reflect the communities that you're trying to serve and trying to engage uh, in really different ways. So um, Lyft has always put community at the center of our mission, at the center of our product, Uh, you know, drivers being from communities, picking up, you know, fellow uh, neighbors and helping them get where they need to go uh, is a really inspiring, amazing model. So the founders at Lyft um, uh, a couple years ago um, decided to expand the community function and brought me on to really help us um, engage drivers at scale, engage passengers at scale, and then um, most interestingly, I think, engage um, kind of local nonprofit organizations, whether it's through our social impact work or through some of the policy work that we do or um, 
through listening and, uh, and charitable giving, we do kind of full suite uh, engagement of, of three of the groups that matter to us most as a company. That's amazing. So when it comes to uh, like definition of success and uh, I mean, how are you defining it? Cause I know kind of community engagement can be this broad thing, even though intuitively we all know there is a very direct tie to things like business growth, but on a more quantifiable level, what are some of the elements that you're really looking to drive and kind of success indicators you're after? Yeah. I mean, I think like, you're right. The North star is always going to be business growth and, and then underneath that favorability right? So we track all those different things. But I'd also say, you know, you want, you don't just want favorability among everyone in a milquetoast way. You want really strong intensity of favorability amongst your most important customers, advocates, even, even you want to neutralize your opponents. And so to me, when I, I look at the layer of data underneath favorability, it's who who is who likes us right now? Um, who doesn't like us? Why don't they like us? Um, and does that map back to um, how we want to grow? You know, and, and one thing we're seeing at Lyft, which won't be surprising to folks, is that um, you know communities of color are really important growing dynamic in this country. Um, politically, they're an imp- important growing dynamic economically, and so unless. Um, frankly, many different companies, all companies are really able to center communities of color, um, engage, uh, engage them authentically and um, engage them with people of color driving that engagement. You know, I think we really miss an opportunity um, to, to build a product that, you know, serves the communities we're trying to grow within. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, you know, it's no surprise that COVID-19 has obviously been a huge impact on a lot of different various businesses, um, some good, some bad. But I guess I'm curious to hear, you know, from pre-COVID to, you know, now like the times that we're in, how has your community, how have your community initiatives changed, you know, whether that's with drivers or riders, et cetera? Um, you know, what are some of the ways that you're, uh, you've found that you've had to modify your approach or, you know, dig a little deeper? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. I mean, we dropped absolutely everything in March um, when COVID hit and the lockdown started. And that wasn't just because, you know, our platform fundamentally changed the way people used our platform fundamentally changed. You know, we became an essential service overnight um, in a very different marketplace than we'd operated in before. And all of a sudden people had delivery needs. You know, there were seniors across the country who um, couldn't uh, go out grocery shopping. Uh, there were lower income families who couldn't access food banks that they'd been accessing and getting to, you know, on, on the day to day before that. Um, and, uh, people lost jobs. So that, that universe of, of folks in need grew exponentially, um, really honestly in a matter of just a couple of weeks. So we dropped everything. We, um, set up, a very scrappy manual delivery program where we've been able to deliver, um, millions of, of meals pro bono um, and medical supplies and all sorts of other groceries, uh, interesting, different um, uh, products that really aren't a, a part of our main platform. My team helped drive and expand that effort. It was really inspiring and, and moving to be of service in that way. Um, and then, you know, on the heels of that, uh, racial justice issues exploded in this country with the murder of George Floyd and, and several others. And um, we 
had already been really, I think, at, at the front lines locally because we have all these local community staff who are based in Chicago, from Chicago, you know, a part of the Chicago organizing infrastructure already, who were were had already been activating and had already been engaging in racial justice issues, but um, the intensity and the scope of that engagement really expanded. And so we um, partnered with, across the country, we partnered with local nonprofits. Um, and we didn't just, you know, do what I think a lot of companies do, which is throw money at the problem and make big grants. We actually sat down with them and said, you know, we have a pre-existing relationship with you. We've been working with you for, for years in some instances already. What does the shape of your need actually look like? And we don't have tons of money at this moment as a transportation company during a, you know, pandemic where where year over year ride shares down, you know, something like fifty percent. So we can donate rides. How might that help? In addition to maybe some some cash capital. And we had really inspiring, amazing conversations, and have built some epic programs as a result of, you know, both both of those dynamics, COVID and. Um, and, and racial justice, neither of which are good things to have to manage for a company or for the world, you know. Um, but what I will say is the key takeaway I have is that having local staff on the ground ahead of when crises hit is absolutely crucial because national responses, and you guys know this, in the marketing world are, don't mean anything. You know, there's, there's, there is almost no such thing, despite what Joe Biden says, <laughs> as one nation anymore. We are many different separate communities who require many different separate treatments, um, you know, at the same time while staying true to a product or company's values. And, and I'm really proud of how we've been able to build a dynamic response. Yeah, that's that's um, that's pretty interesting. So, and, and that brings up, you know, some commentary on your background, which is obviously like very much tied to the public sector and um, obviously some really impressive um, work with UN and Obama for America and the DNC, et cetera. Um, how have you found that, you know, the work that you were doing in the public sector has translated to, you know, what you're doing now for Lyft and, you know, how have you galvanized community, you know, in both of those capacities either, yeah. you know, yeah. Great question. Yeah. I mean, I, I had no idea that I would end up uh, at a company like Lyft or even in the private sector ever. So you're, you're as surprised as I am. Um, but I will say what was fascinating for me is I am a community organizer. I will always be a community organizer. And community organizers were trained to look at uh, a problem that you're trying to solve and basically just like try every single lever possible to solve that problem. So um, maybe it's federal legislation, maybe it's local, you know, pushing local legislation, maybe it's doing corporate advocacy, maybe it's, you know, doing community service and, and advocacy that way. There's lots of different ways to sort of skin a cat. And for me, um, when I think about economic mobility and stability in this country, um, and when I think about the organizing challenges that are ahead for, you know, workers uh, who want a living wage, there's no more inspiring place to be as a community organizer than in a company that wants to try to change what the, you know, economic model looks like for, um, for folks who, you know, their one job right now isn't enough. Uh, and minimum wage, basic work isn't enough. They're able to do these side gigs that really fundamentally change the shape of their family's prospects. And so, um, uh, it's been really inspiring for me to work on this. At the same time, when you look at marketing um, and engagement, public engagement in Silicon Valley, the barrier to profitability for a lot of these companies is no longer, how do we scale our product? How do we make it sexy for people? Sort of in your more classic, maybe marketing manner. It's how do we prevent policy from being 
a huge ongoing barrier to our growth. Um, and having worked, you know, in DC with a lot of elected officials, they have no idea how to regulate tech, you know, and, and are regulating totally different problems than people are actually really experiencing. So for me, I am excited to encourage more community organizers and people of political background to join the public engagement marketing policy departments in the tech world, because I think it's what our country needs. Um, I think it's also what uh, what these companies need um, in order to in order to really continue to grow and to mitigate the biggest barrier to to that growth, which is a new one and not one that you know a lot of a lot of more traditional marketers I think are prepared to address and tackle. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. no, really interesting crossover and fascinating point. Um, excited to see how that landscape continues to evolve in the coming years. With that said, when you think about like team structure on your side and and pulling on all your experience from both public and work you've been doing at Lyft and helping manage and grow the team, um, how do you organize and deploy like the team? I mean, Lyft is obviously a massive organization at this point. And I mean, the community is also massive and and thriving. And you even mentioned that the kind of sub segments of the community as a whole. Um, From a team and internal standpoint, how are you organizing your community engagement team to trigger community engagement? Yeah. Well, the, it, it all starts and ends, honestly, with that market-based model. So um, having, we, we, we are lucky and blessed to have um, a, a president and CEO who really believe in this model and are willing to invest in local staff that drive local strategies, you know, underneath an umbrella of a, of a sort of company-wide set of principles and goals. Um, so that's the first thing. We have, you know, 22 staff now uh, who are who are sort of in charge. They are the sole owners of separate, you know, each of their own markets, the key markets for our company and the key markets that might be, uh, uh, yeah, the, the biggest markets. And, um, you know, we work in lockstep. I'm not formally part of the marketing org. It's separate. Um, I'm formally part of the policy org, but I work incredibly closely with marketing. I work incredibly closely with uh, communications. Um, and I, I'm really proud of how much we've let our um, local leaders tell us what to do uh, instead of the opposite. And I think there's a real, you know, when you look at some of our competitors, when you look at Uber, even as an example, they have not even a fraction of the staff that we have locally. And I think you can tell in the way that their product evolves and the way that, you know, they talk about, they're able to talk about their engagement locally and, um, and their brand. Um, You know, we, we have a real edge in that way. And it's one where we're excited to continue. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up Uber and, and how you guys compare, you know, and this could be, this could be applied to any company or um, business, but, you know, aside from Lyft, what other companies do you look at who you think are doing a great job of, you know, galvanizing community and, you know, deploying the framework there? Yeah, it's a great question. Airbnb is one that I, I think of often, and we have a few staff that have come from Airbnb. You know, they hired really, it it um, it somewhat stems the model that we're using, unsurprisingly, from the Obama national team uh, or, or neighborhood team leader model, where you have many different segmented local leaders um, who are all kind of given broad marching orders, but able to drive and develop strategies that fit for their own communities. Um, and the Airbnb team hired a bunch of Obama organizers quite early, a lot of my friends, frankly. And they built this local organizing model um, and local engagement model that allowed Airbnb hosts to 
build community with each other, improve the product by giving feedback up to headquarters instead of sort of um, disparaging the product sideways or to random, you know, online forms. Um, and I was really inspired on the sidelines when I was still working in, in product or in, I'm sorry, in the political world by, um, by that model. And so when a mentor of mine called me to talk about this lift uh, job, I was working um, in philanthropy, working on economic mobility and stability as, as one part of my portfolio. And um, it just felt like, like such a fit, but I, I do, I will say I have seen, <laughs> basically every one of our competitors post jobs with my title uh, and our department title uh, <laughs> since we built out this team because it has been so successful. And so, you know, I had a, a, a leader from a, a competing organization tell me they were just copying our org chart, wow. like baldly, right? Which I was <laughs> like, great. I want, I, my broader goal isn't just for Lyft to be, you know, the rideshare platform of choice. It's for communities to be engaged in the development of products in a way that makes the product better and the community more satisfied and like doesn't have to just stop at the, at the boundaries of where our company, you know, begins and ends. I love that personal mission uh, that you have. I think it's super valuable. And I think the more companies we see that really embrace that DNA from the onset, the uh, more successful companies and customers and, and organizations and uh, the people they serve will have. Um, so I guess the, the one last thing as we come to the close here, we have a question we always ask. It will put you on the hot seat a little bit. Um, but if you were to start a new direct-to-consumer product or software company from scratch, uh, what would it be and how would you deploy a 100K marketing budget to jumpstart growth? <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, the first thing I thought of was cheese because I really am a big fan of uh, – of artisanal cheese. Um, and so I would start a cheese, this might already exist. So I don't know. Uh, I would start a cheese gift basket where you could take lots of different fancy cheeses and package them up, uh, and send a cheesy present, cheesy care package to your dearly beloved friends and and family and neighbors. I would spend a hundred K on, I'm going to, I'm going to pass on that part. I would spend a hundred K on, um, on, community members doing community marketing with cheese, uh, cheesy people. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is there's a huge market it. for that. Everybody loves cheese. <laughs> Indeed. Um, well, that is fantastic. Sign I to listen up. to the podcast ahead of time. So I was ready for that question. Yeah. <laughs> I am free coffee gang. It's 830. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, really appreciate you coming on. I think all the work you continue to do is super empowering and, uh, excited to see where it continues to go. So thanks for taking the time to share some tactics with us. Thanks for the work you guys do. Really appreciate it. And it was really fun to, to chat. Likewise. Likewise, Sarah. We'll talk soon. Damn, well, you boy really wants some uh, some nicely fine-aged Parmesan cheese right about now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really enjoyed that episode with Sarah. It did get a little bit cheesy at the end, so we're just going to keep that streak going right now with jokes like that. Um, and I think what I really enjoyed was her kind of ethos as far as just wanting to have community be at the forefront of serving customers and stakeholders and using that to inform uh, product roadmap decisions. I think it's not just this marketing customer acquisition play. I think it's it very much is how can we create value for the people we're serving and how can we leverage engagement as a mechanism to not only reach new people, but to, to improve the value we're providing. What stood out to you, Chris? Yeah, yeah, just kind of piggyback on that. I think that uh, the way that they were effectively 
partnering with local nonprofits was really interesting. Um, you know, asking them what their needs were and really partnering with them on a on a um, you know on a very focused level. So I thought that was great. And then also, you know, I loved asking her about what companies um, or what companies she thought was doing a really good job with community. Um, and she reflected on Airbnb and all the great stuff that they're doing there. And um, you know, one of the big takeaways uh, that I thought was most interesting, I think, is the fact that a lot of companies are actually like replicating Lyft's community, um, you know, internal infrastructure as well. So uh, a lot of a lot of stuff that everybody can take away from this call, uh, from this chat. And um, yeah, it was good stuff. Well, there you have it. Thank you as always for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Appreciate you. Cheers. <laughs>